0: Chapter Three of Colonel Greatheart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barry Eades. Colonel Greatheart by H. C. Bailey. Chapter Three. The Inspiration of Colonel Stow. Colonel Stow saw a full troop more of Goring's Green Horsemen coming down on the village from Thame and quickened his pace. "'You are well out of that parish, parson,' quoth Colonel Royston, "'and it will be some while before you are in it again.'" The minister plainly cared nothing for that, nothing for the home he could not save. Never a man grieved less for worldly ruin. There was a wild joy in his eyes. He was throbbing with some glad spiritual orgasm. After a while he lifted up his voice and made a joyful noise. AT ONCE COLONEL ROYSTON REGRETTED HIS SALVATION, AND MY LADY LEAP SNORTED AT HIM. BUT THE MINISTER SAW NOTHING, HEARD NOTHING, IN THIS WORLD BUT HIMSELF. HAD NOT THE LORD BEEN ON OUR SIDE, MAY ISRAEL NOW SAY, HAD NOT THE LORD BEEN ON OUR SIDE, WHEN MEN ROSE US TO SLAY. THEY HAD US SWALLOWED QUICK, WHEN AS THEIR WRATH AGAINST US DID FLAME, WATERS HAD COVERED US, OUR SOUL HAD SUNK BENEATH THE STREAM. And many more verses came before he broke off with the jerk of his beginning, and, Sir, he cried, the hand of the Lord is in this. The Lord will not suffer me to dwell in peace, lest I wax fat. He hath appointed me my portion otherwhere. I will go ride with the host, and minister unto them, till they that persecuted the saints be cast down, and this poor land's iniquity purged away. He that in heaven sits shall laugh, the Lord shall scorn them all. THEN SHALL HE SPEAK TO THEM IN WRATH, IN RAGE HE VEX THEM SHALL. MY LADY leap MADE A NOISE THAT RESEMBLED A PROFANE OATH. THEN, OBSERVING COLONEL ROYSTON, MOVED TO THE GENTLE MIRTH, AND THE MINISTER'S KEEN EYE SET UPON HER, SHE BLUSHED NOTABLY. FATHER, FROM BEHIND COLONEL STOW CAME A PITIFUL VOICE. FATHER, SHALL WE NOT WIN HOME AGAIN? NAY, THE PHILISTINES ARE UPON US. WE ARE CAST OUT. WE ARE WANDERERS UPON THE EARTH. LET GOD'S GLORY BE MAGNIFIED THEREBY. I CAN CONCEIVE THAT COLONEL ROYSTON ADMIRED THE MAN'S CONTEMPT OF ALL EASE, FOR HIMSELF WAS NOT MADE LIKE THAT. IT IS HARD, THE GIRL murmured, BLESSED ARE THEY THAT ARE PERSECUTED FOR RIGHTEOUSNESS' SAKE. LET US GIVE THANKS THAT WE ARE ACCOUNTED WORTHY TO SUFFER. YET MY HEART IS WOE FOR MY POOR SHEEP IN Chinar LEFT WITHOUT A SHEPHERD. "'They might have come to aid us,' the girl complained. "'You had perhaps sung to them,' quoth my lady Leap sourly. "'Again she drew the minister's eyes, "'but met them now with a haughty contempt. "'He turned in dignity to Royston. "'Sir, I am John Normandy, "'a poor servant of God and preacher of the word. "'In whose company am I? "'Myself, I am George Royston, "'who served no one but myself. "'My friend is Colonel Stowe.' WHO SERVES ALL MEN BETTER THAN THEY DESERVE, AND THIS IS MY LADY LEAP, WHO SERVES HER HUSBAND BY HER ABSENCE. IT WAS MY LADY LEAP WHO CONSUMED THE MINISTER'S ATTENTION, WITH HIS DEEP, KEEN EYES ON HER, AND INDEED SHE RODE ILL. PRAY, WHITHER ARE YOU BOUND? HE ASKED. COLONEL STOW ANSWERED FOR HER, WE MAKE FOR Risborough, AND THENCE STOKE MANDEVILLE. THE SECOND NAME WAS NEWS FOR MY LADY LEAP, TOO. It seemed to Royston that both she and the minister were moved by it. The minister turned to Royston. Prithee, a word apart, and Royston's demure mirth, growing more determined, he spurned on ahead with him. Colonel Royston foreboded events, and events to him were all amusing. I would be plain with you, says the minister out of earshot of the rest. From your service to me I judge you children of light. You have surely no kindness for malignants? Colonel Royston felt a confidence impending. He made himself smooth. Sir, says he, inquire of the gentleman in the cellar. It was a goodly deed, said the minister naively. Sir, I doubt not your honesty. Prithee, how came this woman of your company? Know you aught of her? Colonel Royston looked under his eyelashes, but his tone was of pure virtue. "'When a woman asks protection of man "'through a disturbed country, "'what man can deny her?' "'Hark, in your ear,' the minister came close. "'What surety have you that she be a woman?' "'Colonel Royston, who had a reasonable confidence "'that she was not, exhibited all decent distress. "'You alarm me. You appall me. "'But this is surely a jest. "'Sir, it does not become your office.' "'The minister was gratified.' "'Sir, you are a man of conscience. Believe me, I jest not. What men dare do, men must reprove. It is indeed a grateful task and savoury. Royston agreed with unction. "'No, then, sir. There is at Stoke Mandeville a Moabitish woman, men call Lucinda Weston. The minister, consumed with righteousness, did not mark the shift of Colonel Royston's eyes.' "'Tis well known that she hath been commonly visited from Oxford "'by a malignant who comes in the clothes of a woman "'that he may be safe from the godly armies at Alicebury and Wycombe. "'I do notify you, sir. "'I suspicion that you have this sinner in your company.' "'Colonel Royston was perhaps as shocked as he seemed. "'And this Mistress Lucinda Weston,' says he gravely, "'what may be her relation with the gentleman?' "'Sir,' quoth the minister severely, let us pray to be preserved from the imagination of ill. By all means, Colonel Royston agreed, but life will become dull. Tis said they are betrothed, said the minister with a sigh. This innocence disheartens. Sir, I opine no good thing of a man thus unseemly disguised. The minister cleared his throat for a sermon. Colonel Royston intervened in a hurry. Yet many men would be harmless women, quoth he, and some wearing women, comfortable men. To sorrow, one cannot change the sex with the breeches. If husband could be wife, wife husband by turns, how would conjugal felicities be multiplied? Then, seeing that the eminent sermon was fairly overwhelmed, he broke off. But I meddle with the creation, I go astray. Pray, sir, where are you going? The minister plainly found the agility of Colonel Royston's mind distressful. He breathed heavily sir says he i have it in mind to go to alisbury i have a friendship from of old with godly master skippen the sergeant-major-general and will pray his aid in my mission to be one of them that minister to the host yea and moreover i will bear them tidings of this malignant that rides in a woman's coats there was something of admiration in colonel royston's face as he surveyed the minister he ever loved men who made him busy sir says he you are a refreshment I AM VASTLY THE BETTER OF YOU ALREADY. YOU MAKE ME REJOICE IN THE CONSTRUCTION OF LIFE. WHEREAT THE MINISTER WAS MOVED TO SPIRITUAL SONG. PRAISE YE THE LORD, FOR IT IS GOOD, PRAISE TO OUR LORD TO SING, FOR IT IS PLEASANT, AND TO PRAISE IT IS A COMELY THING. THE SUNLIGHT FLASHED AND CHANGED ABOUT THEM. FLEETS OF WHITE CLOUD WERE SPEEDING ACROSS THE BLUE, MINGLING NOW, PARTING NOW, AND DRIVING ON TO THE MELLOW LUCID EASTERN HORIZON meadows wrought with the full gleam of the cowslips shone pale gold beneath the white flame that clothed the thorn-brake the banks were all blue with speedwell from the splendor of the hawthorn from the wide bare branches of the swain oak and high in the utter glory of the sunlight rose the music of the great harmony of springtime all the live warm air rang with joy behind colonel stowe's back a small voice spake sir are you a soldier At least I am nothing else, said Colonel Stowe, and turned in the saddle to smile at her. I cannot find that she was beautiful beyond the ordinary. Colonel Royston has called her a wholesome piece of red and white, but I think he never loved her. She was small, yet of a gracious fullness of form. There was too much of her hair to be neatly ordered, and with the light through it, it glistened like gold. Colonel Stowe saw a grave honesty in her grey eyes. Purity encompassed her, seemed indeed her very self, yet you would not doubt her in fullness a woman. Are you upon the Lord's side? She said simply. I shall know when I die, said Colonel Stowe. Ah, but now, now is the accepted time, she cried, and then blushed and was shy. Pray, sir, what are you, of what faith? I am a great man in the making, quoth Colonel Stowe. THE HONEST EYES GREW IN NAIVE WONDER AND FEAR OF EVIL. IN WHAT WAY GREAT, SIR? COLONEL STOW WAS READY ENOUGH TO EXPLAIN. MADAM, WHAT A MAN CAN DO, I CAN DO BETTER. WHAT A MAN FEARS, I FEAR NOT. WHEN A MAN DESPAIRS, I AM FULL OF HEART. AND WITH A LOST CAUSE, I CONQUER. CHILD, SAYS MY LADY LEAP, WE HAVE MISTOOK THE GENTLEMAN, WHO IS SURELY GOD. BUT THE ROUND FACE AGAINST COLONEL STOW'S SHOULDER WAS EXCEEDING GRAVE. "'Sir, ARE YOU WITH US OR AGAINST US?' SHE SAID SEVERELY. "'I AM BOTH. I AM NEITHER,' SAID COLONEL STOW BLANDLY, AND THUS SECURE ENTERTAINMENT." JOAN NORMANDY GAVE A LITTLE GASP OF HORROR. "'THEN YOU DO NOT BELIEVE ANYTHING?' SHE CRIED, SHRINKING AS FAR AS SHE COULD IN SAFETY FROM THOSE BROAD INFIDEL SHOULDERS. COLONEL STOWE TURNED IN THE SADDLE, SMILING, I BELIEVE THAT I CAN BE GREAT, AND I TAKE THE PART THAT HELPS ME TO GREATNESS. IF I CHOOSE THE KING, I WILL BELIEVE DESPERATELY IN HIS CAUSE. NOW I BELIEVE IN IT AS LITTLE AS YOU. THEN, THEN, SHE STRUGGLED WITH THIS STRANGE, HORRIBLE SCHEME OF LIFE, THEN, WHAT IS IT YOU LIVE FOR? WHY DO YOU SEEK TO BE GREAT? HAVE YOU NO FAITH TO GUIDE YOU AT ALL? "'Aye, madam, the faith and worship of a most admirable lady,' said Colonel Stowe, with kindling eye. "'But sure, sir, she would have you not great, but righteous and true,' the girl cried. Colonel Stowe looked at her with wise, mirthful eyes. "'Is that a woman's way, mistress?' said he. "'Aye, sir, indeed. 'Tis the great, great pride of a woman to help a man to righteousness.' MY LADY LEAP SURVEYED THE GIRL WITH SOME CONTEMPT. "'Some man is to have a melancholy life, I see,' quoth she, and the girl blushed painfully. COLONEL Stow LAUGHED. THE WARS HAD EDUCATED HIM. "'The best of us dislike Redeemer's child,' said he, even in petticoats. "'You bear too hard on the world. No cause is all of God, none all of the devil.' If I fight for this or that with equal heart, I know myself no villain. What matters to the world is that the men who can, should rule, and school the rest to comfortable life. I am born for that. I grip at place and wide power, to have men the happier for me. Men must be mastered, and I can do it, to mine honor, which is the honor of my lady. Does she know you talk so? said the girl in a low voice of awe there is nothing in my thought for which she need feel shame Madame. it was the fashion once for a soldier to wear my lady's ribbon upon his morion i bear my lady's colors in my soul and live by her spirit she hath been my inspiration since i had body or mind to go my own way she hath command of every part of me she is very queen in all her being she is of a divine beauty yet tis not the beauty of her that i worship she My Lady Leap yawned audibly. Perhaps, sir, this might delight the lady more than us. I hope so. Colonel Stowe flushed like a boy. Madame, if you knew her, you would despise the weakness of my praise. Tis Mistress Lucinda Weston of Stoke. He spoke as who should say the Queen of Heaven is my love, and with shining dazzled eyes looked right on through the sunlight. My Lady Leap was smitten with pallor is the lady aware of your devotion she said and her voice was strained and strange so that colonel stow turned to her i i have some acquaintance there she explained swiftly i am her sworn servant since she was a child said colonel stow and thrice in ten years of war i have snatched the time to see her and each time known her more worthy worship but she is known to you madame is she not more noble far than i tell you You can scarce expect a woman to say so, said my lady Leap sourly. End of chapter 3